Book three, chapter four of A Family of Noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin. Translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book three, Family Accounts Settled, chapter four. Petenka walked in looking flabby and dispirited kissed his father's hand, observed the same ceremony with his grandmother, then bowed to Yevpraxia and sat down. He was about twenty-five, rather good-looking, in an army officer's travelling uniform. That was all one could say about him. Even Yudushka knew scarcely more. The relations of father and son were not of the kind one could call strained. There simply were no relations, you might say. Yudushka knew Petenka to be a man who in the eyes of the law was his son, and to whom he had to send a certain allowance determined by Yudushka himself, in consideration of which he was entitled to homage and obedience. Petenka, on the other hand, knew that he had a father who could make things unpleasant for him at any time he wished. He made trips to Golovliovo quite willingly, especially since he had become a commissioned officer not because he greatly enjoyed his father's company, but simply because every man who is not clearly conscious of his aim in life instinctively gravitates to his native place. But now, apparently, he had come because he had been obliged to come, and consequently manifested not a single sign of the joyous perplexity with which every prodigal son of the gentry celebrates his arrival home. Petenka was not talkative all his father's ejaculations of pleasant surprise were met with silence or a forced smile and when yudushka asked why did it occur to you all of a sudden he answered even crossly it just occurred to me and here i am well thank you thank you for remembering your father i am glad you came i suppose you thought of grandmother too well, yes i thought of grandmother too hold on maybe you recollected that today is the anniversary of your brother volodenka's death yes i thought of that too thus the conversation went for about half an hour so that it was impossible to tell whether petenka were answering or dodging the questions so in spite of yudushka's tolerance of his children's indifference to him he could not refrain from remarking well my child you are not affectionate one could hardly call you an affectionate son had petenka kept silence this time also had he taken his father's remark meekly or better still had he kissed his father's hand and said excuse me father dear you know i am tired from the journey things would have passed off pleasantly but petenka behaved like an ungrateful child yes that's what i am he answered gruffly let me alone please then porfiry vladimirych felt so hurt so wounded that he could not keep quiet any longer to think of the pains i have taken for your sake he said with bitterness even here i never stop thinking how to improve this or that so that you may be comfortable and cosy and suffer no lack and have no worry and all of you fight shy of me who is all of you well you and the deceased too may his soul rest in peace he was just the same well i am grateful to you i don't see your gratitude neither gratitude nor affection nothing i'm not affectionate that's all but you speak in the plural all the time one of us is dead already yes he is dead god punished him god punishes disobedient children still i remember him he was unruly but i remember him tomorrow you see we shall have the memorial services performed 
He offended me, but I, notwithstanding, remember my duty. Lord, the sort of thing that goes on these days. Here a son comes to his father and snarls at the very first word. Is that how we acted in our days? I remember we used to come to Golovliovo, and when we were thirty versts away, we began to shiver in our boots. Well, here is mother, dear, a live witness. She will tell you. And nowadays, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't either. I came quietly, greeted you, kissed your hand, and now I sit here and don't bother you. I drink tea, and if you give me supper, I'll have my supper. Why did you raise all this fuss? Arina Petrovna sat in her chair, listening attentively. She seemed to be hearing the same old familiar tale that had begun long, long ago, time out of mind. Aware that such a meeting of father and son foreboded no good, she considered it her duty to intervene and put in a word of reconciliation. Well, well, you turkey cocks, she said, trying to give the situation a humorous turn. Just met and already quarreling. Look at them jumping at each other. Look at them. Feathers will soon be flying. My, my, how naughty. Why don't you fellows sit down quietly and properly and have a friendly chat and let your old mother enjoy it too? Petenka, you give in. My child, you must always give in to your father because he is your father. Even if at times father gives you bitter medicine, take it without complaint, with obedience, with respect, because you are his son. Who knows, maybe the bitter medicine will turn sweet, so it will be to your good. And you, Porfiry Vladimirych, come down from your high perch. He is your son, young, delicate. He has made seventy-five verse over hollows and snowdrifts. He is tired and chilled and sleepy. We are through with the tea now. Suppose you order supper, and then let's all go to bed. So, my friend, we'll all go to our nooks and offer up a prayer, and maybe our temper will pass away. And then we'll rise early in the morning and pray for Volodya's soul. We'll have a memorial service performed, and then we'll go home and have a talk. Both of you will be rested, and you'll state your affairs in a clear, orderly way. Petenka, you will tell us about St. Petersburg, and you, Porfiry, about your country life. And now, let's have supper and to bed. The exhortation had its effect, not because it was convincing, but because Yudushka himself saw that he had gone too far, and it would be best to end the day peacefully. He rose from his seat, kissed his mother's hand, thanked her for the lesson, and ordered supper. The meal was eaten in morose silence. Then they left the dining room and went to their rooms. Little by little the house became still. The dead quiet crept from room to room and finally reached the study of the Golovliovo master. Having finished the required number of genuflections before the icons, Yudushka too went to bed. Porfiry Vladimirych lay in bed but was unable to shut his eyes. He felt his son's arrival portended something unusual, and various absurd sermons already rose in his mind. Yudushka's harangues had the merit of being good for all occasions, and did not consist of a connected chain of thoughts, but came to him in the shape of fragmentary aphorisms. Whenever confronted by an extraordinary situation, such a flood of aphorisms overwhelmed him that even sleep could not drive them from his consciousness. He could not fall asleep. He was a prey to his absurd sermonizings, though, as a matter of fact, he was not much perturbed by Petenka's mysterious arrival. He was prepared for no matter what happened. 
He knew nothing would catch him napping, and nothing would make him recede in the slightest from the web of empty, musty aphorisms in which he was entangled. For him there existed neither sorrow nor joy, neither hatred nor love. To him the entire world was a vast coffin, which served him as a pretext for endless prattling. What greater grief could there be for a father than for his son to commit suicide? But even with respect to Volodya's suicide, he remained true to himself. It had been a very sad story which had lasted two years. For two years Volodya had held out, at first showing a pride and determination not to ask his father's aid. Then he weakened, began to implore, to expostulate, to threaten. In reply, he always received a ready aphorism, the stone given to the hungry man. It is doubtful whether Yudushka realized that he had handed his son a stone and not bread. At any rate, a stone was all he had to give, and so he gave it. When Volodya shot himself, he had a requiem service performed, entered the day of his death in the calendar, and promised himself to have memorial services performed on the 23rd of November of every year. Sometimes a dull voice muttered in his ears, that the solution of a family quarrel by suicide is rather a questionable method to say the least and even then he brought into play a train of aphorisms such as god punishes disobedient children god is against the proud and was at peace again and now there was no doubt that something sinister had happened to Potenka. but whatever had happened he porfiry vladimirych must be above those chance happenings you knew how to get in then know how to get out if the cat wants the fish let her wet her feet just so that is what he would say to his son the next day no matter what petenka told him and suppose petenka like volodya were also to refuse to take a stone instead of bread what if he too yudushka drove the thought from him it was a diabolical suggestion he tossed about and tried in vain to fall asleep whenever sleep seemed about to come there flashed across his mind maxims such as i should like to reach the sky but my arms are too short or you can't stretch more than the length of your bed or speed is good for nothing but catching fleas twaddle surrounded him on all sides crawled upon him crept over him embraced him under this load of nonsensicality with which he hoped to regale his soul to-morrow he could not fall asleep nor could Potenka find sleep, though the journey had tired him exceedingly. He had an affair that could not be settled anywhere except at Golovliovo, but it was a situation of such a nature that he did not know how to meet it. Potenka indeed realized full well that his case was hopeless, and his trip to Golovliovo would only add to the difficulties of his situation. But the primitive instinct of self-preservation in man overcomes all reason, and urges him on to try everything to the very last straw that's why he had to come but instead of hardening himself so as to be prepared for whatever might come he had almost from the first word got into a quarrel with his father what would be the outcome of this trip would a miracle happen would stone turn into bread would it not have been simpler to put the revolver to his temple and say gentlemen i am unworthy of wearing your uniform i have embezzled crown money and i pronounce a just though severe sentence upon myself bang and all is over the deceased lieutenant golovliov is hereby struck off the list of officers yes how radical that would be and how beautiful 
the comrades would say, you were unfortunate, you went too far, still you were an honorable man. But instead of acting that way at once, he had brought the affair to a point where it became a matter of common knowledge, and then he had been given leave of absence for a fixed time, on condition that within that time he would refund the embezzled sum. If not, out of the regiment, the disgraceful end of his early career. So he had come to Golovliovo, though he knew full well that he would be given a stone instead of bread. But perhaps a miracle would come to change things. Miracles sometimes happen. Perhaps the present Golovliovo would vanish, and a new Golovliovo would arise, in which he might, and perhaps grandmother would, hadn't she money? Maybe if he told her he was in great trouble, she might give him some. Who could tell? Here she might say, hurry, so that you get back before the time is up and he rode fast fast hurried the driver just made the train and got to the regiment two hours before the respite was over good for you golovliov his comrades would say your hand honorable young man let's forget the matter and he had not only remained in the regiment but was even promoted to staff captain then captain after that adjutant of the regiment he had been bursar already and finally on the anniversary day of the regiment ah oh, if only the night would pass quickly tomorrow well let happen what may tomorrow but what he would have to listen to gods what would he not be told tomorrow but why tomorrow he had a whole day yet he asked for two days just because he wanted to have enough time to move him a likely chance a fine prospect of persuading and touching him no use here his thoughts became confused and sank one after the other into the mist of sleep in a few minutes the Golovliovo manor was steeped in heavy slumber. The next day the whole household was up early in the morning. Everybody went to church except Petenka, who pleaded fatigue. They listened to the mass and the requiem and returned home. Petenka, as usual, came up to kiss his father's hand, but Yudushka extended it sidewise, and everyone noticed that he did not even make the sign of the cross over his son. Tea was served, then Kutya yudushka was dismal scraped the floor with his feet avoided conversation sighed folded his hands incessantly as if for inner prayer and never once looked at his son petenka for his part bristled up and smoked one cigarette after another the strained situation of yesterday so far from relaxing became still more acute it made arina petrovna very uneasy and she decided to find out from yevpraxia if anything had happened has anything happened she asked that makes them look daggers at each other like that how do i know i don't interfere in their private affairs the girl snapped back maybe it's on account of you perhaps my grandson is running after you too why should he run after me a little while ago he tried to catch hold of me in the corridor and porfiry vladimirych saw him oh so that's what it is in fact in spite of his critical situation petenka had not lost a bit of his levity his eyes riveted themselves on yevpraxia's powerful back and he determined to let her know about it that was the real reason he had not gone to church hoping yevpraxia as the housekeeper would stay home so when the house had turned silent he had thrown his cloak over his shoulders and hidden himself in the corridor a minute or two passed the door of the maid's room banged, and Yevpraxia appeared at the other end of the corridor, carrying a tray with a butter cake to be served with the tea. 
Petenka struck her between the shoulder blades and said, A wonderful back you've got. And that instant the dining room door opened and his father appeared. You scoundrel! If you came here to behave in a nasty way, I'll throw you down the stairs, Yudushka hissed venomously. Naturally, Petenka vanished in a moment. He could not fail to realize that the incident of the morning was scarcely likely to improve his case. So he decided to be silent and postpone the explanation until the morrow. Nevertheless, he did nothing to allay his father's irritation. On the contrary, he behaved in a foolish, unguarded manner, smoking cigarettes incessantly, heedless of his father's energetically fanning away the clouds of smoke that filled the room, and every now and then making sheep's eyes at Yevpraxia, who smiled queerly under the influence of his glances. Yudushka noticed that, too. The day dragged on slowly. Arina Petrovna tried to play fool with Yevpraxia, but nothing came of it. No one felt like playing or talking. They could not even think of small talk, though everyone had stores of this merchandise. At last, dinner time came. But dinner passed in silence also. After dinner, Arina Petrovna made preparations for returning to Pogorelka. But this intention of his mother, dear, alarmed Yudushka. God bless you, darling, he exclaimed. Do you mean to say you'll leave me here alone with this, this wicked son? No, no, don't think of it. I won't allow it. But what is the matter? Has anything happened between the two of you? Why don't you tell me, she asked. No, nothing has happened as yet, but you'll see. No, please don't go. Be present at... Uh, there is something behind his coming here in such a hurry. So if anything happens, you be the witness. Arina Petrovna shook her head and decided to stay. After dinner, Porfiry Vladimirych retired, having first sent Yevpraxia to the village priest, and Arina Petrovna also went to her room and dozed off in her easy chair. Petenka thought it the most favorable time to try his luck with grandmother and went to her room. What is the matter? Have you come to play a game of fool with an old woman? she asked. No, granny, I am on business. Well, what is your business? Tell me. Petenka hesitated a minute, then blurted out, I lost crown money at cards. Arina Petrovna's eyes grew dim from the shock. Much? she asked in a frightened voice, staring at him. Three thousand. For a moment both were silent. Arina Petrovna looked around restlessly, as if expecting somebody to come to her rescue. Do you know they can send you to Siberia for that? she said at last. Yes, I know. Poor fellow. Granny, I meant to borrow it from you. I'll pay good interest. Arina Petrovna became thoroughly frightened. Oh, no, no, she protested. I have only enough money for my coffin and memorial prayers. It's my granddaughters that keep me a-going, and my son, too. No, no, no. You'd better let me alone. Let me see. Why not ask your papa? Oh, well, you can't squeeze blood out of an onion. All my hope was in you, Granny. Just think of what you are saying. I would gladly do it, but where am I to get the money from? I have no money at all. But suppose you ask father, you know, affectionately, respectfully. Here, father, dear, such is the case. I know I am guilty, I am young, and I made a blunder. You know, with a smile and a laugh, kiss his hand and fall on your knees and cry a bit. He likes it. Then maybe father will untie his purse for his sonny dear. So you really think it's worth trying? Just a moment. See here, Granny, suppose you say to him, if you don't give him the money, I'll lay a curse on you. 
he's always been afraid of your curse you know no why curse you can ask right out do ask him my dear there is no harm if you bow before your father once too many he will understand your position you know do it be sure to do it petenka his arms akimbo walked back and forth as if deliberating finally he halted and said no i won't he is not likely to give it it's no use no matter what i do even if i smash my head in bowing he won't do it but you see if you threatened him with your curse what am i to do granny i don't know really try and perhaps you'll soften him a bit how did you come to take such liberties to lose crown money is no small matter did anybody inveigle you into it it just happened i took it and lost it at cards well if you have no money of your own give me some of the orphans what is the matter with you have you lost your wits how can i let you have the orphans money no no i can't don't talk to me about it for christ's sake so you won't too bad and i would pay good interest do you want five per cent per month no well double the principal in a year don't you tempt me shouted arina petrovna throwing up her hands leave me alone for christ's sake it wouldn't surprise me if father hears us and says i urged you on oh lord i am an old woman i wanted to rest a bit i had just dozed off and then he comes with such an offer very well then i'm going so it's impossible oh very good just like kinsfolk on account of three thousand roubles your grandson will go to siberia don't forget to have a tedeum sung when i go petenka left the room closing the door with a bang one of his flimsy hopes was gone what was he to do next only one way out was left to confess all to father who knows perhaps perhaps something would i'll go at once and be done with it he said to himself or no what can i hope for better tomorrow yes i think tomorrow is better i'll tell him and leave at once so he decided tomorrow would see and end it all after the talk with grandmother the evening dragged on still more slowly even arina petrovna grew silent after she had learned the real cause of petenka's arrival yudushka tried to be jocular with mother but perceiving she was absorbed in her own thoughts also grew silent petenka did nothing but smoke at supper porfiry vladimirych asked him are you going to tell me at last why you have honored me with this visit i will tell you tomorrow answered petenka morosely end of book three chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine